As I begin my uh, Christmas messages, a Christmas imagination, I'm going to use some stories that that aren't really traditional church or Christian stories uh, as my text. Next Sunday, we're going to be taking a look at Christmas elves. Uh, the, the, the day after Christmas, uh, the following Sunday, we're going to take a look at Santa Claus. And my, my thesis or my idea with these stories is that these stories could not be written today. These stories, though they're not specifically uh, biblical stories, they're stories that come out of or surface from a Christian imagination, a Christmas imagination. And as we look at these stories, we will see that, that they actually have uh, built within them some of the themes that are precious to us in the church and from the Bible. Maybe they can produce or provide for us a bridge to talk to people about the Christmas story because these are the stories that, that they bring, uh, that, that people listen to every, every year around this time of year, and we do as well. Uh, but we can see some things in these stories, I think, that, that will remind us of many things that we know here in the church and hold dear. So the story I'm going to focus on this morning is this story. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul With a corncob pipe and a button nose And two eyes made out of coal Frosty the snowman is a fairy tale, they say. He was made of snow, but the children know how he came to life one day. We'll just take it that far to begin with. Frosty the snowman. Not even really a Christmas story, is it? But for some reason, we, sh- we hear this song many, many times around Christmas time. And I thought it was appropriate with the children bringing us the program this morning that as we let them prepare downstairs and get their costumes on, we would consider uh, a story meant for children. And think think about it this way, or here's a question I would begin our thoughts with. If you were going to introduce a biblical frame of mind to children with their active imaginations, how would you do it? What kind of story would you tell them? Some of the theological concepts that we talk about here in church are, are really beyond their, their ability to really understand. So how would you put in their minds, in their hearts, the kind of framework of the biblical story? And we can see even here in this first introductory uh, verse of the song, something that we, rec- that we recognize very clearly from, from God's Word. Just take one verse, and I've I've put some other references underneath if you, if you want to read more on these topics. But here's a verse uh, that it reminds me of. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Now in a child's imagination, the snowman is pretty close to alive. I mean, I have a distinct memory uh, in Davidson, Saskatchewan, of my dad and my brother and I building a whole family of snowmen in our side yard. And as I ran around in the snow the rest of that afternoon, that family was with me. I mean, I knew that they were still frozen there on, this, on the yard. 
But in my imagination, in my play, they played with me all afternoon. The, there was a fuzzy line as a child between, between reality and imagination. But we see here a frosty, cold man who's dead. He has no life. His heart is cold. And we can be reminded of this kind of uh, biblical teaching that, that's maybe even hard sometimes to understand or accept. That according to God's word, before we encounter Jesus, spiritually, we're dead. We're cold. And, uh, and we need something that could change that situation. So let's see what the story tells us. There must have been some magic in that old silk hat they found. For when they placed it on his head, he began to dance around. He came to life, didn't he? Colossians 2.13 When we were dead in our sins and in the uncircumcision of our sinful nature, God made us alive with Christ. He gave us, he forgave us all our sins. And as you can see from the cross-references there, it only took me minutes to come up with many, many, many different places in God's word that talk about this transition from spiritual death in our sins to being alive to God and for eternity. We don't like to use the word magic in church, and it's kind of like an alarm bell goes off. Oh, no, it's not magic that we're talking about here. But it is dead people coming to life that we're talking about here. It is cold, hard hearts being alivened and able to play again, as the story tells us. Oh, Frosty the snowman was alive as he could be. And the children say he could laugh and play just the same as you and me. You just want to keep singing, don't you? I'm going to pause from my words for a minute here and just read a longer passage that describes in much greater detail uh, the parallel between this this common uh, Christmas story and what we teach here in the church. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also used to live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Now, let me ask you this question. What did Frosty do to bring himself alive? What were his actions? He was incapable of coming to life on his own. It required something else. It required a gift. The children gave him a hat. Yeah, that's magic. And as we read here in Ephesians, that's not how it works in the Christian story, in the Christmas story. But that is why Jesus came. That is why we have Christmas. Because God was preparing to give us something that we could not produce in and of ourselves. Keep that last line in mind as we go forward here. For, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's keep that in mind as we go forward. Look at Frosty go. Over the hills and snow. Frosty, the snowman, knew the sun was hot that day. So he said, let's run and we'll have some fun now before I melt away. As we read from Ephesians, uh, we, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, if we, th if we take that idea of good works from the point of view of a child and ask ourselves this question. If a child is at home and they're thinking to themselves, I wish my dad or my mom would melt their frosty cold heart, get off the couch, and do something good. What would the good the child would ask? What would they want? What would be the good work? Play with me. Play with me. That's what they want. That's the good work. From a, from a child's point of view, I mean, that is their work. Their, a child's most important work is to, pray, is to play. And so as we, as we look at this whole concept, uh, I think the, the idea of a, of a Christmas imagination in this story, a Christian imagination in this story, from a child's point of view, that is what good work is. When, when parents are doing good, they're playing with their kids from the kid's point of view. Now, as parents, we grow up and we know there's other good things we need to do, like discipline and, and things their children don't like. But this song is, is, is bringing these ideas to a child's imagination. And, and that's the kind of thing that, that they would put in there. But as we, as we listen to that verse about play go on, we noticed something at the end there that, that became kind of serious, didn't it? Before I melt away? And it reminds us immediately of a place like John chapter 9, verse 4. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who, uh, who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And this is where I think this story could not be written today. All the stories... If, if Frosty was written today, if this song was written today, I guarantee you that there would be a way found that Frosty would not melt away. He could be the friend of the children forever. We wouldn't want to traumatize children with this kind of serious message. There's an urgency here. There, there's going to be an expiry date. We can't play forever. It comes to an end. 
And this comes straight out of a place like John 9 or Hebrews 3 or Isaiah 55. And it goes on in the story here with Frosty as well. Down to the village with a broomstick in his hand. Running here and there all around the square saying, catch me if you can. He led them down the streets of town right to the traffic cop. And he only paused a moment when he heard him holler, stop! That stop comes on kind of abruptly, doesn't it? And there again, from a, from a child's perspective, they don't understand uh, things like courts and laws, but they do understand that a policeman is the one who gets to tell you when it's time to stop, when the game's over. To send Frosty on his way. As adults, we know that God has the authority. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face the judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Yeah, there's a hard stop, isn't there? The game's over. If you haven't done the good works yet, if you haven't accepted the Savior yet, there's not another chance for life in this story, in the Christian story, in the Christmas story. And we see that reflected quite dramatically in the Frosty the Snowman story. It's time to stop. The sun's too hot. The game is over. What you didn't get done, you didn't get done. There's an urgency to the play. But the story, even then, doesn't end. Mm, Frosty the snowman had to hurry on his way. But he waved goodbye, saying, Don't you cry, I'll be back again someday. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. There couldn't be a more... Uh, a story that, that follows the Christian story more accurately than Frosty the Snowman. Yeah, there comes an end. But for those who have been brought alive by the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a return. There's a resurrection. The story's not over, even when it seems to be over. And so Frosty goes on his way, and the children must wait for his return. Look at Frosty go. Over the hills and The story leaves us with an urgent question, doesn't it? How do I go from death to life? It doesn't answer the question, Frosty the Snowman, the song. It doesn't answer the question. 
And we might think, well, that's, that's kind of not the way we tell stories because uh, we need the answer. And, and what is with this with a magic hat anyways? But I know someone else who, who told stories like this. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Pearls, hats. He didn't give the answer. The story just tells us it's worth the search. And when you find the answer of what brings me from death to life, it's worth everything. And then Jesus just leaves the story hanging there. Will you search? Will you be one of the searchers? Just like in Frosty the Snowman, the, we, we don't know what this magic is. But boy, if, if my cold, hard heart that keeps doing the things I don't want to do, we call them sins, could come alive, wouldn't that be great? It's worth the search, isn't it? It's worth seeking the answer. The people who encountered Jesus for the first time as a baby were convinced they'd found the answer to that search. We have their stories. In the imaginative story that we're watching with the nativity candles, a very imperfect family is meeting Jesus as a baby, and, and they're, finding, they're, they're finding something they didn't know they were even looking for. And as we come to the, the last one next week and then bring that all together on Christmas Eve, I trust you'll find that as well. But think of the wise men. They were searching the skies. I don't know what they saw. I don't know what they understood. But this is how they understood it. They said, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. They searched, and they believed that they had found the answer to their search. Think of the shepherds. Uh, I don't know if they even knew they were searching. But the angels came to them, and this is what they heard. The angels reassured them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. We don't, we don't have words from the shepherds, but we know they believed that they had found the answer, the Messiah, the Savior, the, the one who would enliven their spiritual lives to God. And they went running through the village after meeting Jesus to tell others. And we think of Simeon. He's, not, he's kind of a just after Christmas story. But Simeon was an old man who'd been searching his whole life for that pearl of great price, that hat that could bring death to life. And when Mary and Joseph brought the baby Jesus to the temple and Simeon met him, this is what he said. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. He had found the pearl of great price, and he was satisfied. So what do you say? Should we call the children up to tell us the story of Christmas? It's worth the search.